This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the March edition of The Compliance Live. This month, I'm featuring Audrey Harris. Audrey is a managing director at Affiliated Monitors. Audrey has one of the most interesting careers in compliance, having begun just after the turn of the century in private practice investigating FCPA cases, working as a chief compliance officer at an international company, going back into private practice, and now taking all of that knowledge to affiliated monitors to help companies build out compliance programs. In this fourth and final episode, we take a look at Audrey's move to affiliated monitors. The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a chief compliance officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back with Audrey Harris on The Compliance Life. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Audrey Harris, Managing Director at Affiliated Monitors for Episode 4 of this month's the Compliance Life. We've talked to Audrey through her early private practice career, her life as a chief compliance officer, moving back into the consulting world, and now she's moved to affiliated monitors, in my opinion, the premier monitor uh, consulting firm uh, in the United States, which I humbly say. But um, first of all, and once again, with an incredibly long-winded introduction, welcome back, Audrey. Thanks so much, Tom. It's good to be back. So you have worked on a monitor team. Um, I think you have been under a monitor. Um, you've had this mm-hmm. professional experience uh, in many phases of your professional career. And now you're on at Affiliated Monitors bringing that knowledge. And you see monitors, uh, frankly, in a, in a way that I had not really appreciated. And uh, that is, it can be incredibly uh, positive tool or a powerful tool and a positive development for a company. But I wanted to maybe start with why do you see monitorships as potentially so valuable uh, to a company? Well, I'll have to first disclose that, as you said, I spent a huge part of my career um, trying to argue that my uh, clients did not need a monitor, that <laughs> um, they could take uh, or didn't need a consultant, um, arguing for self-monitoring or no monitor at all. And then also having been uh, through a self-report provision as a a CCO. Um, So I saw, of course, um, those proactive steps to take um, in that space as as you're going through an investigation, um, almost at the same time, those parallel responsive steps that you take and how much value add that and those proactive things can have. Um, But what I also started to see is when you're in the situation, um, that uh, you do um, you do have to have a monitor um, in as part of a resolution as the price admission is coming through that um, you can actually make that a positive 
And that really goes along with what I learned, not only in-house, but as an external, going through those self-reporting, the monitorships for my companies, um, the, the compliance consultants for my companies. Um, if you're going to be in that situation, using a challenge or what can be a stumbling block for a company um, in an investigation or resolution to really be a springboard um, and looking at monitors in a different way. I think for a, a lot of times, some of my experience has been this too, of monitors redoing an investigation are <laughs> um, being much a gotcha approach. Um, I've seen, and especially because the different backgrounds that folks come from, um, some of the uh, of the government background too can be, hey, this is this is how we do it, uh, um, and they can re somewhat repeat uh, those investigations. However, I've also seen it done really well, um, where instead of gotcha or repeating investigations, you're really aligning all of these parties who all really want the same thing, and you're helping the company not only. Um, get in a space where it has that um, you know, self, um, uh, self um, I would say, continuous feedback loop on its program where it is self-sustaining as it goes forward and can really help it. Um, you're helping the government make sure that they're that at their resolution, that they're not going to be embarrassed or see a recidivist situation. Um, that what they see in that company is what they're going to get going forward for compliance. But you're also helping, hopefully, that commercial case that we were talking about in our last episode for that company in building that value um, in their compliance program that can help them, you know, going forward. Um, but it's also, it's not the monitor's program. It is the company's program. Uh, so there's lots of things that the monitor can do in that value proposition um, that can help a company, but they have to really be the ones who own it in that space to make it that self-sustaining, growing commercial benefit um, at the end of the day. There's one major difference, I think, now in the business world than perhaps when you were in private practice and uh, working on monitorships, and that is the ubiquitousness of social media. And uh, we have seen reputational uh, injury and re reputational damage become as large a penalty, perhaps as even the fine and penalty, if someone uh, gets into an FCPA imbroglio. And I was wondering what your thoughts might be on how a monitor could actually help protect a company, its stakeholders, and really others in this new world of social media uh, awareness of a variety of stakeholders and uh, this huge uh, potential for reputational damage in addition to a fine and penalty. Absolutely. Um, so you're not just seeing, and as you pointed out, um, I like when you use the word stakeholders because that's a big change over the last 20 years, big change over the last 10 years, big change over the last five years. Um, and what companies are looking to, not just their shareholders, but as the business roundtable um, you know, pointed to in 2019, um, really all of your stakeholders from employees to government enforcement um, to your supply chain, right, to your communities that you operate in. Um, so having that, having a compliance program that looks very holistically across those different subject matters um, and is able to really be an enabler for business, an enabler to protect those stakeholders and to earn those stakeholders trust um, when you're talking about your social license to operate, 
um, in that space can really help you prevent those reputational risk um, scenarios that can really devastate your company, devastate its value, um, and really be, as you say, um, more of a driver or a detrimental impact than even the enforcement action of themselves. We are seeing that, whether it be whistleblowers, um, papers, newspapers, and reporters, um, email leaks and hacks, uh, really being some of the main sources of some of these big investigations and big reputational risk issues that we've seen at companies. So no longer are we thinking just about you know, voluntary disclosures or other competitors or enforcement tripping upon these issues. You're really dealing with a much broader spectrum of risk and sources where that's going to come out into the media, that's going to come out through you know, an email leak, leak, that's going to come out through other stakeholders that are there. Here's where a monitor, if you have it anyway, you really think about it as an, as an opportunity to get those recommendations and work together and align um, to use that for your commercial case and to use that to help you um, build your reputational risk mitigation strategies for down the road. Um, and that's really where I think if you're thinking about how to turn a what could be a stumbling block or a challenge into a springboard of value for your company, if you're willing to think about monitorships that way, if you've got to have one anyway, um, that's the difference um, in that can make all the difference, I should say, uh, in what you're going to get out of it. So I've heard you use a great phrase, and I'm just going to quote it because I think it's so great. Never create something you're only going to use once, end quote. Uh, what does that mean and how can how can you use that really a, as a powerful tool to persuade uh, either senior execs or other corporate types of the power of a best practice compliance program? Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, anyone who's worked with me, whether it's teams at the firm or our teams in-house, knows that I'm all about the sayings. Um, shorthand compliant sayings. We could talk about them forever, but um, whether or not they're quotes or shorthands that we would all end up using to talk about things. And one of them really was a nice rule that we would never use anything once. So if it was important enough to create, um, there should be other reasons behind why you're creating it. Um, and there's always a leverage opportunity. Um, in this space, when it comes to monitorships or even proactive reviews, um, when you have a monitor anyway, why just get the value out of you know, um, graduating the monitorship? Um, why not get other uses out of that um, when it comes to your commercial ability to tender for certain projects, your ability, as we talked about, I think on our first podcast together, um, audits of, of um, if you're in the supply chain of a company, your customer audits that are happening. There's multiple different ways that you can use your compliance packages or even um, things that you'll be creating as part of your monitorship um, that can actually also be used to really bring either commercial value or in another way within the functions of the company. Um, so that's one of the challenges that I like sitting down with companies and talking about um, is not only how does this particular um, you know, recommendation or this particular um, you know, uh, project bring value in the compliance space, but how can it bring that value in either other risks, other functions, or even in 
you know, the, the commercial business itself and how can you use that information, say, for strategic planning going forward? Or how can you use that, that information in your supply chain? Um, one of my favorite stories with a client was um, the way that the business folks that I was speaking to eyes opened up when they thought about using um, a feed that was only being used for compliance uh, related due diligence um, and sanctions checks. If they can actually use that information um, for other um, commercial creditworthiness, all kinds of other issues, um, environmental impact issues, when they're looking at their supply chain, um, there was a commercial use for that. Uh, and we already had it and they weren't using it yet in that space. So there's always these areas where you have to ask the question, how can we not just use this once? Where can it also be an advantage to the company um, into the compliance program uh, to really leverage the work that's being done there? Um, and create, as I say, not just protect your stakeholders, but really grow your business. The type of work that you do, or at least AMI does, you don't have to do a full monitorship as appointed by the company and oversaw, overseen by the Department of Justice. You can come in and do almost uh, specific issues or do a more uh, proactive compliance review. I was wondering if you could conclude with a few thoughts on why uh, something that may be more targeted and focused can also be of great value to a company uh, as well. Absolutely. And you're right. Um, it's not just monitorships. And so there's really multiple, like three big different parts of our business model and ways that we help um, companies, external counsel, and regulators in this space. One is those proactive reviews, which can be indifferent in scope. Uh, from end-to-end -end compliance program reviews to framework reviews to really target it on different parts of your business model. So say your supply chain or your operations or your marketing go-to-market go um, side of your business or say your expansion, as um, I mentioned in one of our other podcasts, things like new market entry. So here you can really have a tailored approach uh, that can be fit for purpose for a company and really bring the most value. Um, we also work extensively with external counsel uh, for these proactive reviews in responsive situations. Um, so you may have an inquiry, your competitor may have an inquiry, and we work under privilege with external counsel to really get on top of that um, and be able to, you know, hopefully enable some um, control um, and some, some uh, defining scope in that space and help them utilize that as part of what may be an ongoing inquiry or investigation with a third party. Um, and then we also have those typical, as, as we've uh, mentioned it, monitorship or compliance consultant roles and the value we can bring there. Um, finally, we have this fourth set of uh, what I'll call checkups uh, that we do as well, where companies who may have had monitorships or have gone through resolution want to come back and get health checks in that space um, where they can say, we've already been through this and we want to check in and see where we're going because um, we've seen the value of being able to refer to our graduation from a monitorship um, in our commercial space. We'd like to have that again, both for mitigation and for business enablement in that area. Um, so lots of different reasons, but I will say, as I like to say in compliance, we have standard principles, but really tailored applications. Um, and that's where you're gonna get 
the most fit for purpose and bang for your buck in whether or not it's a consultant or a law firm environment. Uh, when you're in-house, you're looking for something that's truly fit for purpose. And I think that's what we do so well at AMI. Well, gee, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this concluding episode, but I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me for this month-long exploration of your career on The Compliance Life. It's a fascinating story and study, and I greatly look forward to continuing our conversations. Absolutely. Thanks so much for the time. It was a great talk. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life. The Compliance Life is a production of The Compliance Podcast Network. If you would like to be featured on The Compliance Life, please uh, give me an email at uh, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you like this series, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, Any review and rating would definitely help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.